This is the word of God. Now, the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to the son, and he called his name Jesus. And let's pray. Lord, in these moments now around your word, we pray that your spirit may come and instruct us and lead us to understanding, and then as we leave this place to obedience to trust, to greater faith. Lift up our hearts, we pray. We live in a a weary world, and we long to rejoice in our weary world. We ask for this help in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we've been thinking about um, a weary world rejoices. Uh, You got the little cards. Maybe some of you are here because you um, received a little invitation. We're, We're near the end. And of course, I suppose we might ask the question, a weary world rejoices, why? I mean, why would a weary world rejoice? Well, we've looked at that over the weeks, haven't we? The Savior promised in the Old Testament over 300 prophecies that Savior came to earth to do His work to save and rescue His people. That's why a weary world can rejoice. That was week number one. And then week number two and Week number three, we looked at peace and joy um, from Luke chapter two, from the angels and the shepherds and their messages. Today, as we continue in this series, A Weary World Rejoices, we look at the details of his coming and particularly his names. And we've got a little hint of that in the kids' talk that Jeff just did. Now, the context, of course, was utter shock. The context to our passage today is utter, utter shock. Verse 18 and 19. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His Mary mother was pledged, we might say engaged, to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Mary and Joseph were engaged to be married. That's much more of a legal status than the engagements that we would have today. It normally came through to marriage a year later, and it could only be ended by divorce. That's why he's actually described as a husband, even though they weren't technically married. And that's why 
Joseph thought, you know what? I'm going to have to divorce Mary. And then in that year between betrothal and marriage, the couple did not live together, and they remained sexually pure. It was time to build relationships. It was time to make plans. You know, all the normal stuff, setting up the home, getting the flowers and the taxis and the reception all organized. But what we find in this part of the story is just Matthew kind of throwing a hand grenade into the, into the passage with this matter-of-fact description of the situation in the end of verse 18. Just before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's a bombshell, isn't it? Can you imagine? And it probably went a bit like this. Mary speaks to Joseph and says, I'm having a baby, and you're not the dad. God is. <laughs> Can you imagine how Joseph felt? Betrayed? Brokenhearted? He had trusted Mary. He wanted to spend the rest of his life with her in marriage. That was the purpose. But this surely was the end. I mean, how could he marry her? However, uh, Joseph would soon learn that God is not an old man in the clouds and the rocking chair listening to angels playing harps. No. He is the God who has a plan. He is a God who gets involved and he's a God who is going to fix the mess that sin has caused and created. He's going to learn that God works in mysterious and unexpected ways. Here we see a very key part of Christian and Christmas theology. It's called the virgin birth. It's, it's a key part it's a key part to the gospel message, to the rescue plan of God. It had to be a virgin birth. It had to be a virgin birth. God had to be the Father. Now, I know it's not an easy doctrine for many to understand or accept, but can I assure you it is extremely important. And some actually find it a wee bit uncomfortable talking about virgins and conception and who is the Father question but they would be wrong. Because this is a non-negotiable for Christians. A non-negotiable. God's son from God's action. Mary's son from Mary's womb. This is supernatural we're talking about here. Another miracle of God. One of the greatest miracles of God. One of the most important miracles of God. God coming down, 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 right into the womb of Mary so that our Savior could be two things at the one time. Now, get your heads around this. 100% God and 100% man at exactly the same time and all the time in one person, Jesus, the God-man. It had to be done this way. There was no other way. This is important. The Savior of the world 
God himself becoming human. At five weeks, Jesus, God, was the size of an apple seed. At six weeks, he was the size of a garden pea. At seven weeks, he was the the size of a a raspberry. And, And so it goes on. Jesus, fully God, fully man. 12 weeks, he was the size of a plum. 14 weeks, he was the size of a lemon. 17 weeks, he was the size of an onion. At this stage, seven inches long, six ounces in weight, roughly. And the 39 weeks, of course, as all you mums know, he was the size of a watermelon. But think about it. Our Savior, our God, was a baby. You see, this is a non-negotiable for Christians, because our Savior is fully God and fully man. And God came down to us, and God came down for us. You see, the shock and the scandal, and there, listen, there was shock and there was scandal. The shock and the scandal was not that a teenage girl got pregnant, because we know that happens. The shock and the scandal was not that Joseph was not the dad, because that happens. The shock and the scandal was not that Joseph stood by her, because that happens occasionally. The shock and scandal is that God was the father and the baby was God. That's the shock and the scandal. And can I suggest to you that if this God would go to this bother for you, then he's worth knowing, isn't he? For you, for mankind, for his church. I made you, he says. Yep, I made you. I love you. I, I come to you, and I want to save you. What would you do if you had received this news from your um, fiancé? What would Joseph do? We can guess he, he struggled with this big time. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man, did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. That that was his plan. You know, just let's do it quietly. Let's Let's not cause trouble for this girl that I love. Let's separate. That was his plan, but God had other plans. And so he comes and he visits his friend Joseph, verse 20 to 23. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, 
Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So get the picture. Probably another sleepless night, troubled as he tried to get over, and there's the tossing and the turning, and what am I going to do, and how am I going to sort this out? Something remarkable happened, because you see, the God who was able to place his son inside the womb of Mary sent a a messenger to Joseph, a very clear messenger and a very clear message And Joseph was one of the first to hear about this exciting rescue plan for humanity. He will save his people from their sins. He will save their people from their sins. Now, some people think, many people think, probably most people in the world think, you know, I'm okay the way I am. I'm okay the way I was born. You know, I'm I'm happy with that. I'm content. I'm, I think I'm okay because I was brought up in a way that I respect. I'm okay. The world is full of people who think, I'm okay. And the Bible says, no, you're not okay. You're not okay. The angel explains it all. Verse 21. She will give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 23. The The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Two names are given here, and these two names, as Jeff explained to the kids, explain the gospel. And so we're not left to guess what this baby would do. Do you know how many names Jesus has in the, uh, the Bible? In around 200, 200 names, because one name, in a sense, can't explain totally who he is. It takes all those names to explain his person and his function. I don't know what your favorite one is. Lamb of God is a precious one, isn't it, to many? Lord of Lords, King of Kings. Man of Sorrows is one of my favorites. He's called Teacher, Rabbi. The Alpha and the Omega, if, if those of you can remember back to over 20 years ago when we were in the old building in, in um, Irish Street, you went through those glass doors, you remember them? The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Anchor, judge, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince, peace, and so on and so on. 200 names. But we're given here two to concentrate on. Jesus, mentioned in verse 21 and 25, Emmanuel Verse 23. Now, again, Jeff mentioned that names mean a great deal. Does anybody know what city I come from? I was born outside the city, but does anybody know what the city was called? Is called? Should be called? <laughs> come on, somebody tell me. Derry? It's London Derry, isn't it? Or is it Derry? Or is it Stroke City? 
do you know what? We fought for years over a name and still do. Actually, I play a little game with people. I say, um, say, oh, you're from Derry. And I say, do you mean Londonderry? And when they say, oh, you're from Londonderry, I say, oh, do you mean Derry? You can't win (laughs) with me. Names mean a great deal. People fight over names. Alistair. Do you know what Alistair means? Jeffrey means peace or something, doesn't it? Peace. Defender of men. (laughs) I'm sure you feel much more secure now that your minister is a defender of men. But no name, no name means more than the name Jesus. It means God saves. Ah, but from what? From what? Give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from blankety blank. Is that program still on TV? Blankety blank. I think it is. It's back again, isn't it? Give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from low self-esteem. And he will give them significance. Give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from loneliness. And he will give them companionship. Give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from political inequality. And he will give them democracy. Give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from ignorance. And he will give them education. Oh, we could list them on, couldn't we? The number of ways people have looked at that finish of those words, give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from, and people think they have the right just to add anything else in there. No, the answer is from their sins. You see, God comes to a world in crisis, and we're going to think about that tonight as we look at Galatians 4. Verses 4 to 7, and I promise a short sermon. I say it again. I've said it enough times. you believe me? The world that Jesus came into was a world in crisis. And it always is in crisis in many ways. The calamity of humanity is sin. The shocking mess that we are in should be an embarrassment to modern man, especially our leaders, because look at what we have, the the uh, advancements in knowledge, uh, all our distractions, our technology, and despite everything that we have and everything we enjoy and all the entertainment at our hands, we are broken. I mean, this is a broken world. Broken inside we are. Broken in relationship with people. Broken especially in our relationship with God. And do you know what we need? We need not to have a little bit of self-esteem or political equality or education. We need a savior. That's what the world needs, a rescuer. Are there any contenders out there, do you think, in the big bad world? Only one. His name is Jesus. And Jesus came to provide a radical mission of saving and rescuing. And so today, if I call you a sinner, 
I'm not judging you. If I call you a sinner today, I'm not insulting you, even though you might think I am. If I call you a sinner today, I'm describing you. Because that is what you are. And that's why you need a Savior. Jonathan Edwards wrote these words, you contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that makes it necessary. You contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that makes it necessary. You, I, we need a Savior, a rescuer. The answer to our root problem, which is sin, and our ongoing problem of sins. Sin and sins. He is the rescuer. God saves. But he's also Emmanuel, God with us. Verse 22 and 23. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. In the Old Testament, God's presence was in the tabernacle and the temple. Here, now we begin to see that God's presence, the presence of God, is in the person of Jesus. And that means people like us can experience the salvation. We've already mentioned that. He is God with us. And no matter what we have done, no matter what we have become, we can receive salvation. We also experience this security. Because no, no matter how desperate things are in our lives, we're never alone. We're never isolated. We can also experience his sympathy because he's with us. No, no matter the pain, the hurt, the disappointment, God is with you. God is with us. Do you, do you know what God does? The privilege of being involved in ministry, there are many privileges, is seeing people walk through hard times and never be alone. Because it doesn't matter the trials or, or the loss or the grief or the worry, he walks with us. Psalm 23 walks through the, the valley of the shadow of death, valleys of deep darkness. And so the world may, may mistreat you. In fact, the world will mistreat you. People will ignore you and hurt you. Life may disappoint you. The church may frustrate you. But God is with you. And we can count on him and we can trust in him. See, Jesus, God saves. Emmanuel, God is with us. All of this was revealed to Joseph. And in those moments, he understood the who and the how and the why of Christmas. Who? God. How? The Holy Spirit. Why? So that Jesus might save and might be with his people. And so we have Jesus plus Emmanuel equals love. And love came down at Christmas for us. Because love, when he became man, died for us. Lastly, just for a few moments, see the response of Joseph in obedience, verse 24 and 25. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. He had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph was no Old Testament scholar. He was a, a carpenter. 
and they may be a carpenter in, in the house today. You know what? There's nothing wrong with being a carpenter, but he wasn't a theologian. But he knows enough about God to know that he should obey God. He knows enough about God that he should follow and trust God. And he knows enough about God to know that he should never doubt or underestimate God. And that's the same, surely, with, with us. We're not theologians. But surely we know enough to trust the God who loves us. Because two of the worst things we can do in response to the gospel is this. I know better. I mean, that's just arrogance. Or pride. How dare you treat me this way, God? We cannot understand all that we are supposed to understand because we're not theologians. Even if we were theologians, by the way, we still would struggle. We're not God, but we're called to know and obey and follow and trust and never doubt. And so with Joseph, there was no argument, there was no hesitation, there was no rationalization. Verse 24, when Jesus, or when Joseph woke up, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. An amazing model of obedience, selfless, gracious obedience. He believed that God incarnate was going to be born as Emmanuel. And he had a part to play. And we see it in being a dedicated human father. And so as we conclude, as we come to this Christmas, and as we think about a weary world rejoices, maybe the weary that is something you can identify with because you feel hurt and disappointed and abused, and maybe you're trapped in some kind of disappointment, and a bomb has exploded all around you in your relationships and your emotions, and someone or some group of people have hurt you. that's you, and even if it's not you, it's time to discover God is with you, and God is Savior. Hear Him. Believe Him. Receive Him. See, Joseph needed to hear from God, so God spoke and Joseph listened, and Joseph obeyed. We need God to speak to us. And he speaks to us in his son. And we need to listen and obey. And so we move from our prison of disappointment to discovering truth and dedication in living for the only one who really matters. A weary world rejoices. It can. It's the only hope when it receives its newborn king. The world around us, weary, tired, worn out, fatigued, disappointment, bored, frustrated, 
because all the false answers, all the broken hopes, all the fake saviors, all the deceitful lovers. That's why it's weary, but we can rejoice because God saves and because God is with us. A weary world rejoices. There's only one answer. His name is Jesus, Emmanuel. May God bless you as you continue to think about these things. Let, let me pray, and then we're going to sing O Little Town of Bethlehem. Lord, we are so grateful to you. You did not leave us in our misery. You did not leave us as weary people, broken and frustrated and bored. You don't leave us with uh, the false answers and the broken hopes and the deceitful lovers. You, you come to us and you save and you're with us. Lord, these are great truths more than any human being can really grasp by your Holy Spirit. Write them on our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.